What do we do when we find ourselves up against the many leadership challenges that exist within our chosen careers? We all have goals and achievements that we would like to accomplish. Unfortunately, these desires don't come equipped with insight or awareness on how to bring these accomplishments to light. In essence, this is why the Dream Octane Niche Finder Framework was formed. Our founder, Clifton C. Manning, spent the first 17 of his 20-year career in healthcare working with physicians and healthcare leaders to achieve patient-centric goals while possessing only an associate's degree in applied science. At times, these challenges were daunting, and he felt unqualified to achieve the success he wanted. However, he focused on becoming intentional in reading every leadership book that he could find, as well as attending frequent seminars in areas where he saw opportunities to improve. Over time, as he applied insights gained from these various sources, he was able to successfully and efficiently cross the hurdles he found himself up against. Eventually, varying degrees of success within his sphere of leadership influence became more evident. The Niche Finder podcast is intended to bring similar insight to you, the listener, from those who have achieved some level of noteworthy success in their chosen career. Our hope is that the challenges they have overcome in the past will provide insight for your current leadership struggles and unlock the dream of achieving success in your own career. We believe that if innovative change is an engine, your unique dreams and abilities could be its fuel. And now I present to you the host of the Niche Finder podcast, Clifton C. Manning. I want to welcome you to this episode of the Niche Finder Framework. I'm borderline giddy right now because I have a good friend from business school, uh, Bala Pachandi. Uh, he is a friend that I met in business school. And when I look back, you know, on our tenure together, um, you know, he was someone who always had thought provoking ideas. And, you know, I refer to him in my book as a low key genius. And that's uh, only because it's true. So I just want to make you feel welcome, Bala, and also introduce you to the Niche Finder community. Thank you for joining our program today. Thank you so much, Cliff. Thanks for those kind words. It's uh, it gives me immense, it's an immense honor for me to join you on your podcast. Something that I know is a labor of love for you from for many years. Um, it is uh, it is incredible to see you pursue that labor of love from the days when we were in business school together to now to have that be realized and. Um, and, uh, and having me as a guest is just a full, brings me full circle. So I'm so excited to be here. Excellent. What do you consider to be your niche, Bala? That is a great question. So I think I really look at look at this in a, in a couple of framing, right? Right. I, I several years ago I found this uh, Japanese word known as ikigai. I don't know if you've heard of that word. No, I haven't. Ikigai stands. It's literally translated into English means. Uh, life's purpose um, the purpose that you that drives you um, something that you love doing something that you get paid for and I've been on a journey to find my ikigai for all these years and I and then I, I think it's I still am on, on this journey to do that but I would say if I have to describe my niche it is to build to build um Teams build great products that people love to build um, uh, leaders to, to build empathy and kindness in this world um, to build a better future for my kids. So basically, the to build is my is my niche. 
Excellent. Um, now, why would the audience have a vested interest in your journey? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I, I think about um, my upbringing, right? The fact that I'm here, I consider if I'm here living in New York, um, work, working as a technology executive for um, a, a, a billion dollar, billion dollar um, um, commercial real estate software company in New York City, um, having a beautiful wife and two kids, it's an, I, I consider it as a blessing um, because of where I come from. I, I was born in a small fishing village in India and uh, my parents were um, both teachers and the, I, you could, if you had told me that when I was in high school that I would be uh, working for a New York City based company um, leading a team of 100 plus engineers building product that's used all over the world I would be I'd be laughing at your face so um, the, the opportunity that I've had in my life to get to where I am I want to give back to mm. uh, my friends my network anybody that I could I could um, give back and I've been on a mission to um, coach and train and mentor those leaders that are on a similar path that I that like I'm on so that um, they can get to the uh, place that I'm on a lot faster and uh, applying all the lessons that I've learned over the years. Hmm. Well, I know from business school, you've always been someone who um, just had a selfless approach to uh, sharing the information that you have, whether it be notes or understanding or even just thoughts, you know, um, in class. And it's always been helpful. And I and I still felt like although it was value adding, um, you your approach was so self-effacing and almost as if you were serving, you know, at that heart. And, I, and it's something that I can appreciate. And I can, you know, I think when we spoke before, I was saying i'm not surprised that this is the space that you find yourself in you know as far as coaching and and working with executives it's just for me just uh, a natural transition right and it, it actually comes from from my parents like even when i talk to my, my my dad and mom because they both were teachers they refer to their job uh, as a duty like uh, uh and they obviously they they were a teacher teachers like it's, 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 if there was like there are a few few jobs that you do that are truly a service to the community and teaching is one of them. Mm. And they would ask me like, I, when, if I take a vacation, come to visit them, like when are you come going, rejoining your duty? That's mm. literally how they would ask me even today. Cause mm. that, that, the whole idea of um, a job is a duty and a service was ingrained in me at a very young age. So I look at that. I bring that to my job even today. Um, Cause that, that, that level of, um, uh, sincerity, dedication, and uh, bringing your A game—it just comes from my 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 upbringing, my my parents, really. Hmm. What external struggles did you find yourself up against? Oh, uh, where do I begin? Um, so, I, <laughs> like, like the, the, there are several. I, I will I will start with something that's um, internal, right? I. I'm a, I'm a minority, right? As, as you are, um, I'm a brown skinned person mm-hmm. working in a predominantly um, a white male dominated industry, which is which is uh, technology and software. So I had to work. I, I, I still to this day, I, but I've gotten better over the years. But I, I had to overcome 
this thing called imposter syndrome mm. which is that I, if i walk into a room uh, full of executives and like I, i'm i'm one of the only two uh, non white male executive in my company in a in a room full of like 15 people there are only two or well, there's one other person that looks like me and that's actually a huge benefit because like in my previous company i was the only uh, minority um non white male person in the whole in the room so which means like i always thought initially i was like uh i would like do i belong here did i um uh, do i know enough things to get into this room so i i quest- i doubted myself mm-hmm. that's the whole idea of this imposter syndrome mm-hmm. then i i then really had to work on myself like and the business school really helped to increase mm-hmm. my self confidence actually you know what you do know you you qualified enough you done the work you belong here then i had to okay now now that i i have overcome that step of like knowing that i belong here and now i need to then um work on um uh, actually contributing to whatever is happening in that room that means like overcoming my fears of like being the person the 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 odd person out of the room i really actively had to contribute so i i, I had to work really hard the one way i i found a way to work around was like i as soon as i get into a new um situation whether that's a workplace or or industrial industry trade meeting or whatever i i go and talk to everyone one on one so i get to know something about the person i use that okay now i know the person and they're not a stranger to me then and then the i'm becoming i become a little bit more um comfortable with the room and i start to contributing actively in that room so so that one that i had to really work on um that was really coming in the way of me getting ahead then the second thing is that it's like opportunity and i think mm. a lot of a lot of times and i think being again like coming from um uh, asian indian background you don't get a lot of opportunity to go into a um executive or c suite roles um you are you're labeled as oh if you're indian you're really good at math you should stick to writing code and um doing programming and that's what you're good at so then i really had to work on like okay you know what i need to go grab it every opportunity i may not i may not fair check all the boxes but i still want mm. to get the uh, apply for that opportunity so they are getting at, at that opportunity number 3 is i think i would i would and, and when you say when you said external forces external factors i would say um um like the um environment the network mm. i think having a and that again business school really helped uh, expand my network like the the uh something that i uh, i learned from business will be both learned from business school. it's not about the network is not about who you know mm. uh, it's about who knows you right um so you, i i i really took that to heart and i really worked on building my personal brand and my network over the past 3 4 years so much so that in the rooms mm. where i'm not there people that would talk about me in a in a positive light and and um and be my ambassadors when i'm not in the room so i think that's that is something that that, that i lack that in, in my early years and i've been really con, uh, focusing on building that over the past 3 years hmm you know malcolm gladwell said in his book uh, outliers he says practice is not the thing you do once you're good practice is the thing you do that makes us good now when you think about that quote 
And you then uh, we pivot into um, the epiphanies that you may uh, experience in your in your journey and new opportunities that expose. What was that for you? Yeah, I, I would say um, that's a great quote, by the way. There's a, I, there's a similar thing that I, I, I read somewhere about um, um, the professional football players in NFL. I think that the difference between an NFL player or NFL team versus a college football team or a, a flag football team is that they, they practice a play until they don't make a mistake. Whereas in most of the teams, they practice until they get it right once and then they, they stop, mm. they go to the next play. So that's a big difference. And right? I think that for me, that has to be about, um, uh, about like public speaking, um, um, whether that's public speaking, public presentations, um, you know, uh, uh, any kind of like speaking in a broader group, I really had to work hard on practice. Um, and that pivotal moment, moment came for me, I would say like uh, about four years ago, when I was asked to present to a, a industry trade group in front of like a 500 people in a right, brightly lit stage. And I was like, uh, I, I knew it was, I, I, I really bombed it. Mm. I was like nervous, fidgety. I didn't have my uh, material down. Um, and then I, I, that after that moment, I was like, okay, I'm going to get good at this. And, um, um, like I learned several tricks. Like for example, I to overcome my um, anxiety, I would drink. I literally do this to this day. Any, any, any in front in, before any big presentation, I uh, drink a glass of really cold water so that I mm. get my mind off of whatever anxiety that I'm focusing on. Focusing on like, right. oh my god, I just drank a glass of uh, cold water. Then I um, learned to pause and repeat things. I learned to know, use my hand gestures and I would always rehearse. I would rehearse in front of my wife. She's unavailable in front of my kids. My kids have given me feedback on presentations in front of a mirror. Hmm. Um, I would uh, learn to incorporate humor. I would um, make it interactive hmm. to ask the audience a question. Um, I would um, watch myself um after by recording the video to see what uh, how, where did I say like some, I used to say a lot of ums and ahs yeah. and I actively watched it so I practiced on it every single time and actively seek feedback and I worked on it uh, over and over again until it got, got, got better mm. Mm. Um, what transformation did you experience in your journey yeah I think that I would say the transformation really is about um um, from being a manager to uh, one of a leader, uh, I think it's, it's, they both sound similar, right? As a manager, you're managing a large team and you're responsible for delivering um, uh, some kind of a business outcome. But as a leader, is it is you are not just uh, you're responsible. Obviously, you're still managing a large team. You're responsible for business, manage, delivering business outcomes, but you are inspiring people. You are mm. bringing people together to realize the potential they even thought they, they didn't have. You are in, inspiring them towards, a, you're motivating them towards a common goal. Mm. Um, that, that is, that transformation really happened to me, like I would say in like three, three years ago, 
when I started realizing that when I hear that, okay, Bala, you're an inspirational leader, you're a transformational right. leader, you can bring cultural changes, organizational changes that are really hard to do as an organization. Um, and I think that that really is where where I where I felt I was transformed as an from a manager to a leader, mm-hmm. and um, and I still this to this day cherish those, and I I, I really um, look to that moment as that transformational moment. Excellent. So, company that you work for right now, uh, VTS. You're the senior VP of engineering. You, are the leader right now, uh, over several uh, engineers. How many engineers are there uh, that you're currently leading? 150 of them. Wow. <laughs> okay. So now, what I want to get from you is, I, I want to go back to, I want to go give, go to your niche because for me, I think before you got to the 150, there were certain qualities that made this possible. And so we start with one of the first five questions. Passions is the first one. What did what do you do or what have you done up until this point as your niche that you were passionate about that when you do it you feel ignited? Yeah, um, the, go back to the niche, right? My niche is to build. I think I love creating products that change people's lives. Mm. Um, that again goes back to my like very beginning. I used to um, write software that is that literally help people talk to each other on on phones and and uh, devices. Um, that that kind of uh, delight you get when you see that people are literally talking to their loved ones using the software is really um, gives is, is something I'm passionate about. Like I'll give you one specific example. Um, as you know, I'm from originally from India. My parents live there. So I, several years ago, I'd, I'd um, gone down to meet my parents and they just bought a new broadband connection to their home. And I was like, oh, okay, so you bought a new broadband. Let me see what kind of a broadband connection it is. Turns out they bought a broadband device, uh, which was running the software that I wrote. Um, so that was wow. really a proud moment for me to see that, okay, <laughs> here I am building, writing software. And then halfway around the world, my parents, when they buy a broadband connection from Reliance, the local service provider, had a device, device which is running the software that I wrote. And uh, Wow. Um, that that was that was a, so I love so it's literally taking an idea that's on a paper to turning it into a software that's helping change people's lives. So that's that 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 is my um, passion. And then if I go further, like that's um, um, to help to build products, you need build teams to build those products. You need leaders who can lead those teams to build them. So I've been like focusing on building teams bringing people together, helping them realize their potential, um, identifying of those people who are great leaders, helping coach them to uh, become great leaders is what I'm, uh, I would say, the second and third of my passions. Mm, excellent. Um, what do you do that feels purposeful? What do you do that What do you do that when you do it, it feels like you were made for that moment? Um, okay, great question again. Um it's, it's again going, going back. I love teaching. I think uh, I love teaching and coaching, especially. I, I'm a, I'm a believe I'm a believer of um, uh, this. May be a bit of the left field, left field, but I, I truly believe that leadership is a skill that can be taught mm. and coached to individual. Mm. I I specifically coach 
leaders from a minority background because there aren't enough of them as we, as we discussed earlier in the industry that where I work so I actually identify um, minority leaders with high potential they are obviously not at the at the leadership level and then help coach them and when I do that and then when I see them apply the lessons that I taught them that's when I go like that is that is it that is mm-hmm. a proud moment for me as a coach and leader like there's a, there, there there is somebody who just learned something from me applied the learning and uh, and gave me credit like it, it didn't even give me credit like that that would be that's a moment that I'm very proud of and I feel purposeful wow well i'm looking over your left shoulder although we're recording this via video we're only going to use the audio but i see you got good to great i see you have other leadership books yes like 21 21 irrefutable laws of leadership outside in so uh, i know that there there is good information going into that mind of yours yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's just you. a few of them yeah yes. uh what do you do that's a pattern of yours so what do you do naturally well yeah so the pattern i think there were a few years ago again going back to our business school uh, a speaker that we both met in china the if you remember the ultra marathoner oh yeah um i learned a thing something from him that i really uh, to this part i follow as a pattern he he said to be successful you need to you need to care for yourself and he gave me two four things diet sleep exercise and meditate Um, so that I, I do that. Like I sleep, believe it or not, I sleep eight hours a day. Wow. And, people, and I, when I, when I, when I don't, I'm not myself. I, I, I consider my, I'm, I, I like to be high functioning. Like I keep mental lists of things to do. I know what, um, what is next, what my day is. Um, and when I don't get the eight hours sleep, I'm not myself. So I, I like to get eight hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. I like to eat a balanced diet, fruits, protein. Uh, I don't eat uh meat i feel if you remember when we were right. in china we were going after like all these vegetarian places right right <laughs> um, so uh, so i like to eat balanced diet um and i like to exercise like uh, that i used to not do but thanks to the pandemic i do one hour of workout every day wow. i work from home mostly mm-hmm. the thing that i don't do quite often is the meditation part i do three times a week so mm-hmm. if i do three out of those four things in a day that's a successful day for me And okay. that's the pattern I'm aiming for. I wake up at 6 a.m. I go to bed at 9 p.m. and and then 6 a.m. I work out. Get my kids uh, ready to go to school. Go drop them at school. Come back, take a shower, and start working on my uh, day. I end the day at six. Again, I work, go spend my spend time with my kids, help them with their homework, hmm. get uh, get get early dinner like 7 a 7 p.m. and watch a show like for an hour with my kid with my wife, and then we go to bed at night. That's basically mm-hmm. that's the pattern I've been following, and it is it is made me a healthy individual, um, where all my BPs and all that is like really good and mm-hmm. uh, and high functioning. Like I I can be active and um, uh, mentally sharp throughout the day, and um, I'm a better person by if I follow that pattern. Hmm. That's excellent. So the opposite side of the same coin of the pattern coin. So patterns are what you do naturally well. Proficiencies. What do you do? What have you learned to do well over time? Yeah. So um, what I've what I've learned to do over time writing. Um, I 
again comes from uh, um we did a lot of writing in business school yeah i've just fallen in love with that um i think it has an inherent nature and the podcast do that as well is of getting your thoughts to a broader group of people really yeah. quickly yeah and uh, i have to do that a lot like when you have a new idea or you're trying to do a new um organizational change i like to get my ideas in paper in writing and um and that allows me to a structure my thoughts and for me it's all like read back like okay does it make sense can i read or look at this and see that they can understand what i'm trying to say and then in, like once i feel satisfied with my output i can put it out there for others to receive uh, uh, that so that is a that is a proficiency that i've really developed the second one which should be also familiar to you is um asking questions mm-hmm. um and i think it's it's somewhat of an underappreciated um uh skill i think it, it, as a leader you often have to uh you often have very little time because you're you're presented um uh um a major investment like so a team may be coming to you coming to me or you saying hey here's the proposal we want to make 2 million dollar investment into this opportunity yes or no so you are given like an hour to review the proposal and ask questions to make a decision so so you have to be really asking thoughtful questions to really understand the mm. crux of the proposal and evaluate for it, evaluate it for its merit and then give it give them a recommendation yes or no so for that you need to uh to ask good questions you need to listen actively so that you can un- you can understand and grasp what it is that presenting to you and second you need to have empathy right they the poor the person is has put in a lot of effort to build that proposal so you need to phrase your questions in a way that um um doesn't like make it seem like they didn't do a good job you just need to obviously give them the um give them the appreciation and then ask them third third is you need to be direct like mm-hmm. you have to be unambiguous in asking questions um and for is like that, that is when you do all that you become very good at a skill as leader which you really have to um which you have to deploy a lot is objection handling because a lot of times you are often the person defending a, your company's policy or a position it may be a difficult conversation like hey um we are we have decided to um open up our offices because everyone must be in the office whatever that decision may be that you have to be able to uh handle those objections the the wrong thing you think to do in those situations is to basically like avoid answering questions or like um uh, or answer them in a in a non authentic way but if you are if you get practice in asking question you're also very good at answering them because you can anticipate what questions are going to be uh, posed to you in, in a specific meeting ahead of the meeting you can prepare it well and um that way you are you're much more much better equipped to answer them in a meeting. Mm, excellent. What problems do people come to you to solve? Um all sorts of the problems. Uh, so I, I I um I I'll start on my personal friend I think a lot of people including many from our our business class have come to me for uh career advice. Like how do I hey I have um certain uh choices in front of my career path career career growth i've um option to stay at my current company uh may hope for a promotion i have this other opportunity to go into a different uh, industry which way should i go what's your advice 
Uh, they often come to me for like um, um, like resume preparation or how to talk about their career, interview skills. So if you remember, I put together a session on how to um, land a job in a C-suite. I've I've done that as a as a talk to every every uh, Remba class since we graduated, um, and uh, that has been received really well. Um, so. So that's career advice is something that people come to me for at uh, outside of work. Uh, and then at work, people come to me for like um, um, interpersonal problem, conflict resolution um, for any kind of like major proposal. They want to put forward organizational change, cultural change, um, all of that. They come to me for, for those kind of things. So that's what I consider to be your niche. Now, what I want to get from you in this last segment, just a few questions, is your your secrets. But really, this is you talking to me. But I want you to see me as your younger self. So uh, when you when you talking to me, imagine this conversation happening to Bala, you know, fifteen some odd years ago, before you got into everything that you found yourself into now. What one secret would you offer your pre niche self? Uh, that will help accelerate you from where you are at that moment in time to where you are today? Great question. I would tell Hebala from the past. I'll tell him, like, you need to take more um, risks. Um, I think um, for a lot of reasons, and I think Mm. I'll I'll use myself as an example, right? When you are... um, Working on your career, oftentimes you are life in traps. You have, you get married, you have a family, you have children. And when that happens, you often, and in my case, at least I became um, more uh, risk averse in the sense that I did not take enough risks to go after the opportunities that, that I should have gone after. So I would tell myself from the past, like, you, you believe in yourself um, take more risk, be aggressive in um, um, what you can do, and there's there's and, and, and just don't settle for what comes to you uh, as the first thing that you uh, that comes your way. That's number one. Number two um, is to uh, allow yourself uh, opportunity to explore more things. I think I was. Uh, I, I, I'll give you an example. I, I, um, 15 years ago, I worked in New Jersey and um, in Metro Park and uh, never worked in the city. I'm like, I live literally like in uh, less than an hour from New York City. And uh, I was like, and I was quite happy with what I had, not knowing what was out there. Um, until much later when I, when I found a job in the city, which opened me up to this whole new world. It was like a completely mm. different planet with a different experiences, different. Um, and uh, I wish I had done that sooner. So I would tell myself, yeah. the past, like, this is more of a, like explore, explore um, everything that's around you, including more opportunity. And, and something that I do now is like every year, whether or not you are actually looking for a job, just interview every year. Mm. You, that, hey, it helps you stay sharp on your interviewing skills and helps and B at least helps you see what else is out there 
Uh, and if I mean, maybe that at the end of the process, may say, actually, what what I have is is good enough. Um, but it's it you wouldn't know that if you had if you don't go out and interview um, yourself. Number three, I would tell myself is um, take better care of yourself. Mm. Uh, we talked about like all the diet, sleep, exercise, meditate. I didn't. I I I would have done that a lot earlier. I I didn't take a good care of my health. I think self care is so important. If you are success, if you are if you if you want to be successful as a leader, you have to be healthy, both um, physically and mentally. You know, so that you can be a, a effective leader. So I think I would tell my whole self like take a better care of yourself. Um, diet, exercise, sleep, meditate. Um, from that point. What secret do you have to getting started and staying committed? Um, accountability. I think one something that I do um, um, is to tell uh, others of my commitments. Like, hey, I, I'll tell my my wife, my friends, hey, this is what I'm trying to accomplish, and then I tell my team. I tell my team at the beginning of every week, here are my goals uh, that I'm trying to accomplish by the day. By doing that, mm. uh, by broadcasting your goals to a, a broader group outside of yourself. Right. You, I've seen that that inherently makes me uh, more accountable to those commitments and goals. And they, obviously, there is an external check that, like, hey, Ibarra, you 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 set those goals. It was that accomplished at the end of the week? And and I I have a I have a block of time at the beginning of every week on Monday morning, nine to ten, and a block which where I which I used to prep for the week. Whether I say, what do I want to accomplish this week? And I have a block of time on Friday evening where I ref- reflect back on the week. Mm. How did I do? What are the things that I accomplished? Um, by using those blocks, it helps me stay accountable, stay committed. And by really broadcasting my uh, goals and commitments to others, um, even if they don't even don't ask me anything, I, I feel more accountable to those. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love it. I love the Monday block and then the Friday block and uh, keep it accountable by being transparent about what you're working on. I think that's 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 great. Um, um, Now, let me ask you this. Um, If you were to give the niche finder community some action items, it sounds like you already mentioned them. But what action items or action items would you give to them as must haves on a journey towards success? Yeah, so. Number one, I would I would give yourself um, be persistent. I think that is something that I, that I mm-hmm. have learned uh, a lot. In other words, like if you don't get something the first time, don't give up. Try a second time. Right. Don't get it second time. Don't give up. Try a third time, fourth time, fifth time. Um, being persistent really helps. Uh, and it, it helps in more than ways that you can realize. Like one, it helps you learn from your failures, so you're continuously getting better, and helps for the person on the other side realize that only I mean, this person isn't going away. This person is is, is persistent. They're going to continue trying to crack this um, whatever wall or ceiling, whatever is in front of them, right? So they. They have, they get, they develop a newfound respect for you um, that they previously may not have had. 
So I think being persistent is number one. That's so that, that is that is something that you have you can do literally today. Like if you're trying to do that, like do that. The second is again something that we learned something from business school. Everything is negotiable. Everything is negotiable. You can get whether it's um, uh, you're trying to replace your plumbing at your house, or trying to buy a tie at um, um, Bloomingdale's. Everything is negotiable. Do not miss an opportunity to negotiate. And negotiations doesn't have to be a zero sum game where someone has to lose something for you to get it. You simply have to ask. Um, that 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 some something that I've learned. Is that you simply have to ask. Yeah, the worst thing you can get is, the, is someone saying no, but you have to always ask. So it's something that I, I do literally on everything that I I do. Like even booking an airline ticket. Like I would see a price on a on a, on, on a Expedia. I would call, I'd pick up the phone and call the airline, saying that hey, I see this price on Expedia for this trip on this day. Can I get a better price? Sometimes they do. They give you a better price over the phone because they're like, actually, you know what? I get a commission. I'll give you a better price. Um, so that's so a negotiate. Everything is negotiable. Negotiate. Number three, um, be kind and to each other, and uh, spread more kindness in the world. I think that is something that I've learned in this day and age. I think there's there's a lot going on in everybody's life. You have to be kind and empathetic to others around you, especially or to to your team members. Um, being kind and empath- empathetic gets you um, uh, similar uh, kindness and empathy towards you, and something that I've learned uh, learned that over the years is really helpful as a leader. Excellent. Um, how do you know when it's time to change course versus staying focused on your goal? Yeah, great question. Um, I would say the. When you know, when you have conviction over a particular course of action, and you're seeing that your team or yourself, you're doing your best, um, best effort to get to that um, destination, and you feel that it is achievable, and uh, you have to stay stay the course. But if you see that it is not realistic, uh, the team is demotivated. Um, are you 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 see that the the end goals have changed? You have to change course. Uh, otherwise, they're going to risk um, a failure or demoralization across the team. Um, and as a result, you, it's it's better to take uh, ch- take change course and take action right away, so that you're not putting um, good investment behind bad investment. Someone is listening now. They want to now get in contact with you. What's the best ways uh, that they can do to, to go about doing that? Yeah, so it's uh, I have a pretty unique name. So they can Google me, Bala Pichandi. It's uh, Bala, B-A-L-A. Pichandi is pitch as in a baseball pitch, A-N-D-I. Uh, or they can um, contact me on LinkedIn, Twitter. My handle is at Bala Pichandi. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm always available for coffee, virtual coffee these days. Love networking with people. Um, yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, and the interwebs. 
Excellent. And for our niche finder community, if you want to get in contact with me, you can uh, definitely reach us on dreamoctane.org for uh, a new copy of the book that we have released called Dream Octane, The Seven Steps to Discover, Develop and Deliver Your Niche. And so we want to thank Bala for being a part of our program today. Um, and, you know, this niche finder podcast and, and exposing experts like Bala um, and uh, also the book that we I just shared the link for uh, is a simple relationship between the two to fulfill this mantra that we have for both of them which is if innovative change is an engine your unique dream and ability could be its fuel i want to thank bala again uh pachandi for being part of our show today and uh you know for our niche product community we look forward to sharing even the next expert with you to help you on your journey towards success so thank you again everybody for tuning in thank you cliff